have Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And if you want to find out what's going on, check out Nostalgia Highway. Right, fellas? Right. Yeah. Give me a hole, guys. Hello! Coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome, hitchhikers, to Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't, or the No Frills movie review podcast where, lucky you, we are once again bringing you a Friday the 13th review on one of the most unluckiest days of the year, Friday the 13th. Hopefully you figured out our gimmick by now, and even though we're all self-proclaimed horror movie aficionados, we are but a simple bunch. We like to keep things easy around here since we are easily sidetracked and confused. Just ask our wives. Hell yeah. Checks out. Alright, well enough with the chit-chat, okay? Ramblers, let's get rambling. Yeah, you're right. I'm your host, the Mayor Matt Logson, and joining me for bonus episode 6 out here on the highway are my co-hosts that know that even though the computer don't lie, it definitely talks some shit. I'm Dave King of the Road. And I am the Lord Ketchum. Alright, fellas, well tonight... We are going to review Friday the 13th, the final chapter from 1984. This is the final, final chapter? Is uh, this well, it? Well, well, when they say final, it's in air quotes, oh, you okay. know? Oh, okay. I mean, it was final, but not final. Mm. No stamp was done, you know? It, it, they didn't stamp it. Right. Yes. Okay. Siskel, yeah. Siskel Niebuhr stamped it. Yeah, unapproved. They stamped it unapproved. Yeah. yeah, what did uh what did Ebert say? He called it what was it uh an immoral and irreprehensible piece of trash? Yeah. That is was... epic. That is awesome. <laughs> if that doesn't make a budding horror movie fan in the mid eighties want to go see this, nothing will. Yeah, the box office gross just fucking destroyed his soul, dude. For real. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he was seriously questioning you know, society's fucking yeah. movies at the point. Yeah, <laughs> right. His scathing review of this was almost as intense as some of the gore in this movie itself. <laughs> oh, it's the best yeah. soundbite yeah. you could get. I, 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 listeners, look it up. Find it on uh, YouTube. It's there. It's awesome. It's about five <laughs> minutes, I think. It's it's wonderful. What an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Picking up right where the shocking ending of Friday the 13th Part 3 left us, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, opens on the grisly aftermath that was left by Jason Voorhees at Higgins Haven, where it seems that Mr. Voorhees himself met his own demise once and for all. Or so it seems. Oh, so what a twist. <laughs> but after a little road trip and a brief stay at the Wessex County Medical Center, Jason clicks his heels together a few times and returns to the only place he calls home, the greater Camp Crystal Lake region, to stalk and slay a brand new batch of alcohol-fueled, sexed-up youngsters who never knew it hit him. Oh yeah, Corey Feldman's in this, starring as Jason's new adversary for the next few installments of the franchise, because, well, 
it was the 80s, and any self-respecting 80s movie has Corey Feldman in it. But <laughs> stay tuned to find out who survives and who dies in horrifying, unimaginable ways, who gets laid, who's a dead fuck, and who has the damn corkscrew. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Mayor. That was a good one. I like it. All right. Well, this gem was directed by Joseph Zito. Uh, I'm a sure huge was. Prowler fan. I like Prowler. I know King's not a huge fan. I'm not a fan. <clears throat> yeah, I like it. It's one of the better slashers of the 80s. Anyways, this is starring Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis, Kimberly Beck as Trish, Crispin Glover as Jimmy, Lawrence Monison as Ted, Judy Aronson as Samantha, and E. Eric Anderson as Rob. I have an interesting little tidbit about Kimberly Beck, who played Trish. She is the only Friday the 13th alum that has ever appeared in an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Really? Yeah. What she, Hitchcock movie was she in? She was in Marnie from 64. Uh, it was about 20, about exactly 20 years prior. And uh, she plays the little girl that Marnie's mother babysits. So basically just almost like an extra from what it sounds like. But right. yeah, she worked with Hitchcock. Huh. That's pretty badass. That's pretty, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Hell yeah. Pretty cool. You didn't but, uh, uh and yeah, you didn't announce Bruce Mailer in the cast there, I noticed. From oh, uh, Police yeah. Academy Axel. fame. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Doug Fackler. Yeah. Oh Fackler. <laughs> Fackler. Such <laughs> he's such a nerd in that and he's actually like trying to be a pimp in this. It's interesting. Yeah. I'll be honest, it took me a minute to, like, figure out who he was when I saw this. I was like, really? God, who the hell is that? I know who that is, but I can't place it. And it it took me a minute, and yeah. I finally figured it out. Nice. Because, I mean, what else is he in? Uh, I mean, some other stuff, but nothing. Not really know. a whole lot. His career was pretty short, actually. I mean, it, I it mean, was it was spread out, we'll say that. You know, He wasn't involved in very many projects. This is rated R and has a runtime of an hour and 31 minutes. It was released on April 13th, 1984 on an estimated $2.6 million budget. That is cheap. Cheap as blood. Yeah, but it took in a whopping opening weekend total of $11.1 million, And it ended up taking in a total box office gross of $32.9 million. Dude, what does Cisco Niebler know? What the fuck? They, they don't know nothing. <laughs> they don't know nothing. Let the fans speak. You know? Right. This is a number show. IMDb has this as a 6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has this as a 23% with an mm. audience score of 51%. Kind of surprised at the audience score. I figured that to be a little bit higher. Yeah, should have been. I don't know. There's some snobs on Rotten Tomatoes, apparently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, currently, this is not streaming anywhere for free, but you can rent or purchase it on Amazon Prime for two ninety nine. And pay attention to Prime. Pay attention to Hulu, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they always have different Friday movies off and on pretty frequently. So check back. It'll be on there at some point soon, I'm sure. And also, you can buy the brand new Blu-ray box set that came out. Well, Get the on there. Media, hard media it's style. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to add on here about the box office, this was something interesting. It was uh, overseas and it was in Turkey. They released this 
and Friday the 13th, A New Beginning together, and they had them back to back. Um, yeah. and they could, you could watch them together and they even had the movie posters displayed back, you know, side by side. I thought that was kind of interesting. That would have been kind of cool. I, I wonder if that was only because of, um, they didn't, they didn't really think about going international with it, you know, because it was a part four, but the turnaround of the box office, you know, made it, they're like, Oh, well shit, let's go ahead and just do it international. And then. It just teamed up really well with part five. You know, by the time they were able to send it over there, you know. Yeah, you continue the Tommy Jarvis story at that point. So yeah, no, that'd been an interesting uh, double billing to see there in the mid eighties. Yeah. If you just so happen to live in Turkey at the time. <laughs> and if you liked part five. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> When's the next Friday the thirteenth? I don't know. Uh, it'll be a minute. Long time, actually. Yeah, it's going to be a while. People will forget what I said about it by then. <laughs> <laughs> no, people don't forget part five. <laughs> I did. It is, a, <laughs> it is it was a like polarizing the, entry. All right, listeners, let's take a moment to see what's going on with the mics on mics over on the Drive By Wrestling Podcast. Do you like pro wrestling? Yeah. Are you tired of the same old recap podcasts? Uh, duh. Do wrestling fans confuse you? More than you will ever know. Well, you're in luck. Join me, Mike J. And me, Mike S. Every Saturday for the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast. Each week, we break down the ups and downs of main roster WWE and try to explain online fan outrage. And, of course, we have the Wednesday Night War between NXT and AEW covered from our unique viewpoints. That's the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast every Saturday on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. Still breaking hearts and breaking kayfabe. Uh, I guess that is what we say. It is. Slicing, dicing, and spoilers ahead, gentlemen. Some sexy Crispin Glover dance moves. Yeah, I don't know if it's sexy. It's spastic. It's spastic. <laughs> Can spastic be sexy? It's epi- epileptic. Yeah, we we reviewed that one other time. Epileptic. Medical emergency. <laughs> What's he wearing a medical bracelet? I don't know. I don't know. We should, should never find uh, enjoyment in the dance sequence of a medically emergency victim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He's either dying or having a hell of a time over there. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy. Either way, he's been on a hell of a show. So I love this compilation recap we get for this prologue. Apparently, Joseph Zito, uh, he hated it because he didn't like the idea of using old footage from previous movies. But that's what Friday 13th does, man. That's just what they do, you know? It's a fucking recap. Well, but this recapped all three previous movies, whereas, the, you know, it just recapped the ending of the previous, which this does also. Um, I I feel like Part 7's is is better, basically, because there's more to choose from at that point. And you get Walt Gorney narrating it who played Crazy right. Ralph, and that's just awesome. But uh, 
you know, like I said, then you get it's it's followed up with this spectacular open uh, right where it left off with part three, which is boss because I love sequels that do this. And apparently I just like horror movies that take place in hospitals because, you know, then right after the title credits, you're right there in a hospital. And I love this whole sequence from start to finish. Yeah, I really like familiar. it. Yeah, it's been done. It's been Has done, it? but I, I like it. We can't remember where. Um, <laughs> was it uh, Visiting Hours? Oh, man. Uh, no. No? Okay. X-ray. The Ambulance? The Ambulance. Oh, okay. Hmm. Maybe. I didn't see that one. Okay, never mind. I didn't see that one. Mm. Okay. Horror <laughs> Hospital? No, I don't remember. It's just familiar. No. It's familiar. Okay. Nurse Karen rings a bell. Um, mm. You got to watch out for those Karens. I don't know. Yeah. But this was the last movie in the series that picks up immediately where the previous movie left off. Yeah, you mentioned that. No, you didn't. No, you yeah. didn't. Oh, well, nah. kind of. We we did kind of. It was touched on. <laughs> no, I said no. That I like I like movies that do that. Yeah. Right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not. Yeah. Um, he's just mentioning it's the last one to do it. Yeah, I'm dropping facts right now. Okay. Hard facts. You need to accept True. it. No, I like facts. I go to that uh, new <laughs> uh, government website, factcheck.org. Man. Oh God. Somebody told me today that uh, the Halloween Six producers cut is the superior version of that film and i went to the factcheck.org and it said fake fake well, story <laughs> sounds like whoever that person was that brought that to your attention is someone i'd want to have a beer with well, <laughs> i'll drink to that all right well at least we can agree on that what to drink a beer yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we'll drink a beer to it <laughs> drinking a beer together always settles things there you go it does <laughs> even if it settles in a fist fight it's settled so there's timeline issues with this franchise, and I know I've kind of beaten a dead horse with this, but it needs to be said, okay? Because if we're keeping track, <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's hard. It's stay, just, it's stay, just choppy. Stay with me. <laughs> Parts two through four take place over the course of five days, Friday the 13th to Tuesday the 17th. During yeah. that time, Jason kills 34 people. Now, while the beginning of this takes place during the night of Sunday the 15th, the rest yeah. of this movie takes place on Monday the 16th and Tuesday the 17th, which is the climactic night making this the second entry in the series to not actually take place on a Friday at all. It's something that you have to sacrifice to have continuity, you know? And here's because the thing. You can't have everything happen in a fucking six-hour span, you know? You can't have it. This was a very successful franchise monetarily but it was not a very well thought out franchise okay yeah. they didn't have a lot of foresight uh i mean their foresight went as far as the ending credits of the movie they were working on okay right and i i laugh at some fan theories where they try to connect this and that and everything i'm just like oh my god just it's a fucking movie just enjoy it okay well, that's what that's what we're at right now i mean with this conversation Right, I know, and there's issues with it. I'm not saying like I'm like hung up completely on it, but it is something that needs to be brought up because it definitely undercuts the effectiveness of the Rob Dyer character who's searching for his sister Sandra, who was killed a couple days ago. Right, <laughs> you know, which was in part okay. two, you know, but 
maybe in that's our minds, it's been years ago since that happened, you know. So I don't pay attention to the dates that close. I just, I just, I, you know, I never what I'm being either. fed. I never did either, and I took your approach too until it was brought up to my attention, and then you actually got to looking at it. I'm like, well, yeah, that actually does kind of check out, but it's a ding on this franchise, but it's not enough for me personally to where I care enough about it. I'm just bringing it up. I think you hurt me with that though, because now you've pulled back a curtain on something that I never really paid that close attention to. So thanks for that. (sighs) Damn it. Just ruined it. It helps if you think of part two, three and four as one big movie. Man, I don't know. And that's kind of what the remake kind of did. Right. Right. Which I, Rather liked. I'm not gonna lie. I I was a fan. I was a but fan. But no, this really? this information hurts me oh, though. Bad. Gotta, yeah, it's for a decent remake. Yeah. You know, you remember? I mean, like it's like seeing the Undertaker driving his tractor on the farm. It's like I didn't need to see that. That's cool that he's <laughs> doing that now and he's happy. But the magic I didn't need to awesome. see that. Yeah. Why'd you have to do that? Why'd you take that away from me? <sighs> That's what the mayor does. Yeah. Well, thank you. And the listeners, thank you too. Because probably a lot of them hadn't made I mean, that we, uh, connection. I mean, we said spoilers ahead. <laughs> deep spoiler there. Well, anybody That's listen it. to the show, we get deep spoilers. <laughs> All right, it's penetrating. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. <laughs> oh, these are penetrating spoilers. Evasive, <laughs> penetrating spoilers. <laughs> God. Oh, what is wrong with us? Until we get Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis, not uh, Thomas Matthews as Tommy Jarvis, as I like the best. But Corey Feldman is our introduction to Mr. Jarvis. And I don't know, what do you guys think? He really doesn't play it chill and trying to be a peeping Tom. I would have yeah. played it completely It's very uh, primate of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I was thinking, I was like, man, when I was in those situations when I was a kid, you know, not necessarily I saw some chick you know, across the street, you know, getting naked or anything like that, but like watching a, a nudie, you know, or, you know, reading a magazine i wasn't jumping up and down like that or anything you know i was just gandering and gawking (laughs) right so i don't know it's kind of not believable (laughs) and he's also never mastered the art of uh monty python's game how not to be seen i mean you know he's pretty obvious and then he comes out in that yellow rain jacket in a later movie here and is is perfectly you know obvious to Jason standing over there in the woodline. So, right, this kid's not good at hiding. <laughs> Stealth is zero. Yes, Stealth is zero. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. All in all, I felt his performance was fine in this. But one thing that I always I don't know. I guess it bothered me about his uh, everything about his character in this movie was that it was it was too cluttered. Like he's a gamer. Nope. He's a mask maker. Nope. He's a pervert. Nope. He's a mechanic. <laughs> I mean, will you pick one? I mean, well, he he's a renaissance man. Oh, <laughs> jack of all trades. Mm. 
Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like it was just a little I don't know, it was just a little too much and it was just kind of like, well, like what are you, you little nerdy pervy kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just it that just goes to show you the writing to this movie, you know? I mean, it's not fantastic at all. It's just, No, I mean, it's pretty straightforward cookie yeah. cutter type scenario for the most part other than just having your group of young people you have a a family involved with it also in close proximity which i don't know that's an interesting i don't know that's i appreciate that sure he's a he's a product of the times though you know and i think of him as kind of an uh, you know he's paying tribute a little bit to to, he's a little bit savini he's a little fucking bit of absolutely this a little bit of that you know so i don't know okay and and I and I understand that and I get that. I just kind of felt like they tried to, I don't know, just too much at once. You know, just too many things. True. I don't know. They peppered him a little heavy. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's perfect. Well, they're trying to get you know younger generation to like it. So you know they're trying to incorporate video games, which were you know fucking yeah popping right hot you know, at that time yeah. and. Um, no, I get that, but I don't know. It's just weird. And then he's a mechanic. You know, <laughs> Not I, a very good one. <laughs> no, but I think he would have figured it out. <laughs> yeah, but you got to kind of be, you know, if you live that deep in the woods, you know, you, you need to know your shit. Well, there's no dad around. Her, you know? Well, Trish has got to pick it up then. All right. She just can't. Come on, dude. This is a Friday 13th movie, and it's a woman. <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, you're right. Corey Feldman doesn't like impress me as a great Tommy Jarvis. It's not my favorite rendition of Tommy Jarvis. If they gotten the kid from the Flight of the Navigator, to play <laughs> oh, Davy, Davy, yeah, yeah, his name's Davey? just Davy, little Davy. Man, maybe you know, maybe <laughs> you got me. Right. You got my wheels turning there. Yeah. Hmm. I could put him in that role. Yeah. I could yeah. sympathize with him better, I think. Yeah. Elliot from E.T. would have kicked ass in this. Henry Thomas would have kicked ass Same in this kid. Movie. Yeah, same. Davey. Yeah. Not really, though. It's but... Davey. <laughs> <laughs> I think they could have gotten him cheaper, too. You know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, Feldman hadn't done Yeah, uh... he, he hadn't done much. I think Gremlins had... Did Kremlin... Gremlins come out yet? It's the same year. Or, I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Gremlins was the reason why he couldn't be in five. Well, for he is a little bit, for, but for yeah. filming. Right, right. Well, then this is beforehand. So, yeah. Okay. So, what do you guys think of uh, this group of people, the youngsters, you know, the new uh, platter for fucking Jason to dissect and destroy? In this one, what do you guys think of them? Man, I mean, every chick besides Trish are down the fuck. I mean, <laughs> they 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 play hard to get. Yeah, but oh, what? Well, yeah, you know, they even if you're Cl- Crispin Glover, man, they're they're right. after that too. Come on, man, right? Yeah, this guy doesn't stand a chance. You've seen him <laughs> yeah. in that other movie. I mean. He's no Luther Heggs, but, you know. Well, he's in the same conversation. Maybe a (laughs) modern-day, younger version. (laughs) 
it's a again, it's a tough sell, kind of with the Bruce Mailer character as Axel, you know, with knowing him from Police Academy. It's a yeah. little, it's a tough sell. Man, have you watched some Crispin Glover YouTube videos, interviews with uh, David Letterman and stuff? He's quite the eccentric. I mean, if, yeah, you should actually watch those. I mean, get on the old YouTube sometimes and check that out. Okay. Crispin I don't Glover, think I have, Letterman. actually. Just look up, yeah, Chris McGlover on Letterman and watch watch the conversation. It'll blow your mind. Hmm. Okay. This guy is is whack. Like, he, right. ain't, uh, he ain't all there. Like, this time period or later on in his career? Like, um, it was, it was 80s. It was okay. 80s. So. Okay. I, I can't. I can't give you a definitive answer on that, but I know one of them. He's got like real long hair, and like he just, he just acts really whack. I mean, sometimes you see him, and he'll he'll try and like put on a act like he's having a normal conversation, but then he'll go off the rails at some point mm. into some oh. madness shit that you're just like, wow, this guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting cat. I want to talk about. The uh, Ted character is played by Lawrence Monison. Apparently, he got real stoned during before one night of filming. Uh-huh. And, you know, I guess he did it because he wanted to become more in character because the Ted character was supposed to be stoned at that time. And apparently he got a little too stoned and he was super paranoid and he... Apparently, he, if I'm not mistaken, from the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, uh, he vowed to that he would never do that again. I don't know. He played a pretty good stoner. He probably is a stoner. Well, I mean, he, you could tell he was clearly his. Those were those were stoned eyes. <laughs> yeah. He he was a weird character. He was a little annoying. Um, but I don't know. I liked him enough. Have I liked him enough because I liked the the pairing with Crispin Glover with him. It worked well enough. Them the, with their back and forth. Obviously the you know, the computer don't lie scene gets a lot of right. praise. But I'll I'll tell you one scene between them I think it's pretty funny is when they're standing in the kitchen and Ted's standing there and he got he has his thumb sticking out through the fly of his jeans and he's like, you see he thinks that's funny. He thinks that's funny what he's doing right there. Just their I don't know, the the banter back and forth between them seemed pretty genuine and I like that. I thought Christian Glover was acting like a fucking baby, to be honest. Uh yeah, oh, yeah I mean, he was that, Ted Ted's, you know, annoying and shit, but that's what you do he's at that, that age, annoying. you know. He's right. just trying to get him laid and try, you know, trying to fucking get him out of his comfort zone. And shit, and you knew Ted wasn't going to get any, you know, the way he's acting and shit. Chicks don't fucking right. dig that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes they do in these movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you, you get a mixed bag in horror movies. But everybody else is pretty much forgettable, in my opinion. You know, the only thing I have is on the Doug character played by Peter Barton that he was basically talked into this role by. Amy Steele, who played Jenny in part two, because they were co-stars on the powers of Matthew Starr. And Barton had starred a few years earlier in Hell Night, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, Linda Blair. And it was just an awful experience for him, I guess, for whatever reason. So he didn't want to do horror again. But he took uh, Amy Steele's advice and he took the role. Right on. He was a pretty boy. I thought he played. I mean, he was fine. He wasn't annoying. He wasn't like a jock. I mean, he was just 
right. trying to get some, just like everybody else. He wasn't annoying. <laughs> had a gruesome death. I mean, honestly, I think everybody, for the most part, had a gruesome death. Yeah, that's fair. I'll ask. I'll ask the question of you know who what what's your favorite kill later. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, we'll get yeah, to that. You know? Yeah, but yeah, like the Paul character, uh, anybody could have played that. Um, I don't know Samantha that was played by Judy Aronson. I could look at her all day. She's gorgeous. Yeah, she's pretty hot. Again, this I mean this this group is your just run of the mill fucking kids, man. Um, it's not quite as stereotypical as part three, but it's fairly cookie cutter. Sure, absolutely. So obviously, we know we get Tom Savini. He's back. After doing part one, passing on part two to do the burning, here doing the special effects, uh, they're on point here in my opinion. Uh, sure. I like I like everything I see, um, even the stuff that doesn't look quite as good, you know, by today's standard as far as holding up. I, I it gets a pass because it's all practical. It's all right there on screen in real time. It's it's not digitally altered. Yeah, uh, you know, so yeah, no, I like I like what we get here. I, I got one problem, and it's a big problem. Okay, is that finale kill of our man Jason Voorhees, man? Um, the really? way that the way that rubbery looking face slides down the machete just yeah. immediately takes me out of belief of it. Just uh, see, looks latex I... rubber like rolling up a. You know, knife, and it just doesn't look real at all. I think that was done on purpose, to be honest, Kane, because they won. I mean, I know they set it up to where there's a, a sequel, you know, with, with yeah. Tommy possibly, you know, being fucking nuts and everything. But uh, I, I liked it because they were trying to end the character of Jason and how it, how the knife, how the machine and- goes in. Yeah, it's it's fucking yeah right. Um, it's gruesome. It, it goes in and it's oh yeah. I mean his his face is literally split from the back of his head. You know, I mean yeah. It's no, it's all I love sh- the uniqueness of the design of that kill, the believability of that kill. It's not that; it's the execution of the special effects. <laughs> okay, all right. That's my issue. I mean, yes, it looks fake, but I. I don't know. I I haven't again. Like I said, I have an appreciation for it, and I yeah. I'm able to look past it because it is all practical. Yeah. Because would you rather seen it that way, or would you rather seen it in CGI? No, but listen, I'd rather see it that way. The problem is, this is the most important effect of the entire movie. <laughs> the most important <clears throat> effect of the entire movie. Okay. And it's not, well, no, it's that's... not perfect, and it's not close enough to perfect that I can just ignore it. <laughs> okay. So you I think Savini, that. like, phoned this one in? And, or... this, is, this is one of the reasons I don't like Savini. Like, I, some of his stuff is awesome, but when when I need to see, not be able to see through the, you know, magic of it, it's the most important time where I shouldn't. Uh, that's okay. where he does it. He fucks it up in the most important moments. Do you think it's a case, a classic case of possibly being maybe a little over ambitious for the time? I mean, I don't know. I just and the the 
possibility of executing it the way you want it was kind of a crapshoot. I don't know. I mean, do you think that's a possibility? I don't know. It's just this is just where my <laughs> my issues with Savini starts. It's just when it's most important is when I see through the magic on him. I don't know. Okay. He does it in several of his movies. Okay. I guess I'm just able to look past it. I I, I enjoy the, I enjoy the kill. That is the it's my second favorite. I mean, I guess it is the big kill and everything. Of course, it's going to show the most, but it's actually my second favorite kill of the movie. So, okay, <clears throat> okay. Like I said, it's gruesome. It's cool. It just and and all the all the pieces were in place for it to be a perfect uh, finale. I guess. Yeah. I just didn't like the execution of the special effects. Okay. That's all. Did you did you like when? Um, Trish fucking chops into Jason's hand. Did you like that effect, Dave? Not really. That also was a little bit hokey. I mean, it just wasn't perfect. It just was, it was just, you know, just enough to take me out of the, like, belief of it. I don't know. The fingers looked robotic. It just looked. It's got some cheese slid in, dude. And that's why I appreciate it a little more, I guess. I don't know. Well, I I think I feel. taking it so seriously because it it takes itself very seriously yeah. so i mean i'm not looking for cheese uh i'll answer that question catch him i liked that yes mm-hmm. it was clearly fake and everything but sure. i feel it is as far as execution of a special effect not exact same thing but i feel this is a close comparison I feel it is just as believable as the scene in American Werewolf in London when David Naughton is with he's got his hand in front of him and it's like extending. Mm-hmm. I I feel it's just as on par, on par, different but similar. Sure. But you know it's fake, but you know how they did it. You know, right. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Pretty critical of that king. My analogy here is that I like a little bit of cheese on my hamburger, you know, but I'm not going to put cheese on my steak. And this is steak. <laughs> so we're just kind of like putting a, putting an ingredient on top of this that I'm not really fond of. Okay. Yeah. All right. In All this right. Situation. I that. That's I an interesting that. comparison. Okay, cool. <laughs> but this what if it's cool. supposed this to be cheese steak? Right. Nah, I don't do cheese steak. <laughs> oh, this guy. I do steak and maybe some A one once in a while. That's about it. Well, well if you do, hey, <laughs> if you do a steak of ketchup, nothing <laughs> offsets the taste of good steak like <laughs> some ketchup. Oh some man, damn Waffle House steaks there. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this much: if you do a steak right, you don't need any sauce to go with it. That's right, goddamn <laughs> it. Anyways, all right. So we've already kind of touched on it, but let's. Uh, Let's talk about the look of Jason in this movie, uh, the characterization uh, that Ted White brings to the character in this. Well, speaking um, of Waffle House, uh, this this Jason <laughs> is tougher than a Waffle House steak. So he is. He yeah. gets he gets his ass kicked a little bit in this. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough boy in this one. Yeah. I appreciate this Jason Doe. You know, he's very aggressive and just fucking... He ain't playing no more. 
Huh? Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. Yes, he's super aggressive. <clears throat> Which I, I I enjoy that rendition. Um, and it started a trend that never stopped, really. Right. I mean, I, I like Ted White in this one. He's good. He's he's super scary. He's menacing. He I mean, he does lurk, but he's more like down the business. He doesn't really, like you said, he doesn't mess around. And, um, you know, he was kind of ashamed of this, and he went uncredited in this movie, you know, because, I mean, he was a fairly respected stuntman in Hollywood. I mean, he he did stunts with John Wayne. Uh, He played a smaller role in uh, Silverado that we reviewed. And, uh, you know, he just... I don't know. He was just taking a job here, and as soon as he was done filming this, he immediately started to work on Starman uh, yeah. from John Carpenter. And I guess uh, when he was on the set for one night during filming, a group of reporters were there uh, to interview Jeff Bridges, and he was unavailable. So John Carpenter told the reporters to talk to White about the movie he just finished. <laughs> and after he had told after Ted White had told them that he just finished the newest Friday the 13th movie, uh, I guess the next day's article was written almost completely about him. And that night, um, I guess there were a ton of Friday the 13th fans that were just there on set, just trying to catch a glimpse of Ted White. And so like there for a minute, Ted White was like the most popular guy on the set of Starman. <laughs> it wasn't John Carpenter. It wasn't Karen Allen. It wasn't Jeff Bridges. <laughs> That's interesting. That's crazy. If I was fucking Ted White in his situation, I'd be like, what the fuck, John? I mean, <laughs> do you want me to stay know. on this I project think... or what? <laughs> well, I mean, I if he was so ashamed of the that. project, you know. Yeah, I don't know. But it kind of seems like to a degree as he's – gotten older as time has gone by that he's obviously he's embraced it or else he wouldn't be going to conventions right but i'm talking about at the time you know i mean that was fresh off the fucking set you know right i would have been a a little upset yeah it's true that is a good point i don't even want to be associated with this fucking movie you know (laughs) i've seen him at uh different convention interviews and stuff and i mean he obviously idolizes john wayne and kind of puts off a John Wayne-esque, you know, persona when he's in public. And uh, I kind of got that impression when I met him with my son because I have have a a wild little kid, but he's not like Corey Feldman wild. uh, (laughs) Thank God. He's just, we're, we're getting ready to take a picture with Ted White, and he puts his arms out like an airplane, you know, and Ted White's like, get your arms down, you know, like kind of scolding <laughs> oh, wow. my kid and like <laughs> in front of me. And I'm like, yeah, man, get your arms down. And, <laughs> you know, we're taking a serious picture with Ted White. Jason's going to mess you up. Yeah. So, I mean, I got the impression he's just kind of, he is kind of a grumpy old John Wayne-esque type cowboy character. And I mean, he's still kicking in his nineties now. So God yeah. bless him, you know? Right. Yeah, he could be grumpy if he wants. Well, apparently he was a little grumpy on set because him and director Joseph Zito, they didn't get along because apparently Ted White was standing up for a lot of the actors because of the shoestring budget. A lot of the actors did a lot of their stunts. And uh, Peter Barton's character in the shower scene, 
Um, yeah. I guess he advocated for him to have a, a crash pad where Zito was just like, just do it. Uh, of course, <laughs> the one I think is the most famous was uh, Judy Aronson's character, Samantha, when she's in the raft. Uh, yeah. She got a hypothermia over yeah. it. And uh, yeah, so I mean, and then obviously with Corey Feldman being a little shithead. Uh, yeah, Ted, Ted said he like that. Ted said he'd come up and flip him in the ears from behind, you know, That's and mess funny. with his hair and like just like put a stick in his hair and you know mess with him. That's hilarious. That's funny. Well, Ted Ted would do that to Corey Feldman, or yeah, I guess Ted got a hold of him one time by the neck, <laughs> like grabbed him by the neck and was like, "You little <laughs> shit, little fucker." <laughs> yeah, that's that's what he claims. Oh my god! Wow. Dude. Yeah, I guess he took great joy in the uh, window crashing scene, which that mm-hmm. actually terrified Feldman, from what I understand. But he took. Ted White took great joy in that scene because he got to scare the shit yep. out of him. Oh, yeah. So that's hilarious. And then the thing was that was different between this and the third one. The third one was trying to do all those 3D special effects. And right. so when Jason would crash through a window, you know, he'd leave his arms lingering in the air like for a second or two. And it, yeah, it come off as, you know, like a weakness with Jason. So when he crashes through shit in this one, He's got follow through, <laughs> you know, he's uh-huh. like, still coming. <laughs> so. Right. It's like the door bus scene that we get at the end yes. of part three in the dream uh, that Chris has. That was like intense. We get the same door crash coming into the cabin at the end of this one from Ted White. And I'll tell you, man, like, I mean, he comes in like he's coming in full force and then he's all on stop. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. impressive. And dude, dude that's was how, 58. He was 58 yeah. when he did this. That's wild. That's, that's impressive stuff. That's how I come through the front door when I'm getting texts on my way home from work from the wife. <laughs> the kids are fucking driving me crazy. You know, that's how I roll through. Oh, man. <laughs> that's hilarious. The king is here. Yeah. He quiets down after that. All right. So, what is your guys' favorite kills in this movie, man? What do you guys. What do you guys got? They're all pretty solid. Doug's kill in the shower is yeah. pretty cool. Um, just I'm because a... it's just it's brutal. It's just like really unnerving because like he's just smothering him and just slowly just pressing him into the tile, and it's all yeah. I don't know. It's that's that's a really unnerving death, and yeah, it looks a little cheesy. Yes, whatever. It's practical effects. It's going to happen. It's not real, you know. Right. But I still appreciate it. Um, I I really enjoy the uh, Teddy's fucking death. To be honest, I like I like the death in front of the projector. It's cool. Know, come from behind and the blood splatter on the white background. It, I mean, it's it's minimal, but it's fucking it's executed properly. Do you think? This ripped off the kill in Sleepaway Camp with the girl that was in the shower. Mm. Because this came out the that came out the year before this. Right. I'd say it's a just a different spin. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's a little it's, it's different. It's, it's fucking I don't know. The Sleepaway wasn't yeah, it inspired it, I guess. It could. Yeah, sure. I didn't okay. make that comparison, but I could see how yeah, good. I didn't either, but yeah, 
that makes but, a little bit of sense, yeah. But you're not wrong. That is a cool kill. I do appreciate that one. Uh, it's my favorite. That and then the Jason it? kill. Yeah, yeah. Is I mean, it? I like it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it has to do with movie, you know, that he's watching a fucking nudie movie, and yeah. which that would be cool to find if you're out and about, you know, and camping and shit, and you're in this house, and you find that, like, old 35 stag millimeter films. You know, yeah. stag films and everything from back in the... It seemed like the 30s or 40s, you know, so that's pretty cool. I I, I would sit down and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. What about you, King? What do you got here? What do you? What's some of your favorite kills? I, I like the first one with uh, Axel. Little yes. Police Academy, man. Yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah. that's one of the ones that sets me up for, oh, all right, you know, Sabini's got his shit together today. So, <laughs> you know, it, it gave me a false impression, maybe. Mm. It was it was my best kill of the movie, so, I mean, you shouldn't have put it right at the front, but hmm. maybe that's how they should have killed Jason right there. Kill I'm, I'm kind of interested. I'm I'm interested that uh, there's no love for Jimmy's kill, Crispin Glover's. Because that's yeah, pretty solid, pretty I thought. Yeah, it's alright. Yeah. I and would I'll, say it's my number two. Yeah. I'd say my number three would be the was it Amy in the, in the raft. That was, that was, I love that kill. Samantha. Yeah. Samantha. That's cool. Samantha. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, the only thing I don't like about that is the goofy-ass face Judy Aronson gives when she's getting killed. I don't know. It's just, it's silly. Shitty acting. <laughs> yeah. She's really not that bad of an actress, though, for yeah. what she does. I mean, she was in Weird Science. She was in the one movie, The the Sleeping Car. I mean, you know, mid to low budget type movies. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think she's bad actress. I just, I hated the faces she made. It was just really cheesy. Lame. <laughs> well, they, okay. They filmed, okay. They, didn't they film the uh, Crispin Glover scene? Like in reverse photography, I think, where... I think so. I yeah. think I remember reading that. Yeah. No, I like that. I thought it was pretty solid. Usually, I can tell when they do that, and I don't think I could on this one. So, props to them on that one. Okay, here's a question I have with uh, the kills and stuff. Where did Jason get all the railroad spikes? Because he he used it on Doug, mm-hmm. and then he also used it on Jimmy. And when Jason comes through and Jimmy's still, you know, hung up there in the door, the opening of the door, and he just pulls him down and it just rips through the hand. Oh, man, that's I like that scene, but that's uh, that's that's gruesome. That's yeah. gruesome stuff. But, yeah, I, I, where where to get all these railroad spikes from? He grabbed them someplace along the way. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's looted them out of the forest and stuff. I mean, they've, they've gotten <laughs> scattered around. It's 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 unbelievable. <laughs> you know when you're playing one of them RPG games and you're picking up ginseng and like mandrake root and stuff in the woods so you can cast spells with them later. Yeah, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like, like this. You yeah. see some railroad spikes. He's like, man, maybe I can use those later. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So favorite character? Who you got? I mean, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I like Jimmy. I like Crispin Glover in this. I mean, I don't. 
I mean, I, I think I would almost want to default to Jason being my favorite, you know, just because it is such a good performance of the character. But if I had to pick someone besides him, I would lean towards Crispin Glover or Corey Feldman. Yeah. Corey Feldman was good. The very last scene, man, when, you know, he's fucking going to town on Jason and shit. That was yeah, cool. I, I really like that part. Um, he's got that intensity, I guess, you know, with the look right. that, yeah, they portrayed with the makeup and everything. Um, yeah, I kind of want to default to fucking Teddy, but he's such a douchebag. And fucking, uh, yeah, but he's not, He, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, he is. He's that jokester of the group. Yeah. But he's not that. I don't know. He never really bugged me that much as much as I guess other jokesters and other movies have, have his, done. His laugh gets very annoying and uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'll revert back to Jimmy as well. Um, okay. You, you, yeah, with, with Teddy dogging on him all the time about being a dead fuck and everything, you, you are rooting for him to get laid at least, you know, but once right. that happens, you gotta die, so. Right. <laughs> Dim's the rules. Dim's the rules, you gotta do it. Yep. I don't know, I guess uh, my favorite character is the hitchhiker. It has the Canada and love <laughs> sign. Because I never yeah. really understood her. But I think they wrote her in in that movie as Fat Girl. Yeah, like, that's what like they in, in the script and shit. Yeah. It's so rude. <laughs> it is, is rude, dude. It's the 80s. Different <laughs> time. Oh, and I, I want to bring up something. So Pamela Voorhees' tombstone is you know shown right before her the hitchhiker's death and everything. Right. Did she die in 79? I think that's a that's an error. I think it's it's 80. I think they fucked that up. They filmed it in '79, but I think right. You know, I think if it was whenever released in '80, it should be '80. So I think whenever it comes back to after the opening credits, I think it just says present day. So I think that's possibly open to interpretation. Right. I think they fucked that up. Okay. But interesting and, and, that you bring that. Well, oh, if they if they didn't fuck that up, they fucked up the the whole performance of the headstone. I mean, it's looks like it's brand new. Yeah, it's brand. It's not been new. vandalized by people that would hate this bitch. Right, and who would have right. the money to invest in a fucking tombstone like that? You know, that should expensive. That also, and, Jason uh, didn't pay for it. He's the not state. Well, the state wouldn't pay racks. for that. I'm sorry. You know, they would just Go get on. a regular plaque and shit. Well, going deep dive with some of the fan with with the uh, well, I guess with the graphic novels and all that stuff. This is where the Elias Voorhees character, Jason's father, comes into play. Supposedly, yeah. supposedly. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> but uh, like I said, interesting as you bring up that scene with her tombstone, guys, is because before this movie. She was never known as Pamela. She was just Mrs. Voorhees. This was right. the official introduction of Pamela Voorhees. I did not know that. It just looks like shit. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Yeah. It didn't need to yeah. do it. It's too new. Unnecessary. Yeah. Vandalized, grown over. Yeah. Weathered. I agree. Did it further the story? No, but it definitely... I don't know. It, it's a it nod. Gave a, it gave a moment of creepiness you know okay. like oh you're here 
you've arrived, you know. Right. One quote that really stands out, and it's <laughs> it stands out for all the wrong reasons, and uh, it's Rob, who obviously is kind of a main character in this movie, but we really don't talk about him much, but there's really not much to this guy. Um, but it's the line when he's in the basement, and it's, oh God, he's killing me. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. It it is just I don't know. It's bad. It's it's laughable. It's it's yeah. almost like it's as it's as laughable as uh Samantha's death in the raft with the face that she makes. Well, that's what you get when Zito's fucking writing and directing this movie, you know. Well, here's the thing. Well, he I know he got a- I know he got some help with the writing and shit. Right. But I mean but there you go. You know, you still didn't get a reputable person that's going to write this movie. I know it's a part 4, but I I don't know. Shit. Well, write? I disagree because I actually came across this a couple of days ago when I was working on some notes. Um here we go. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So, Joseph Zito, he he had read an article that was in the New York Times about the real life murder of Kitty, I want to say this Genovese, okay? okay. Um, she was stabbed to death in the middle of the night while she was walking to her apartment, and the article stated that there were had been around 38 neighbors hear her scream, oh my god, he's stabbing me, he's killing me, but nobody did anything to help her. So the intention that Zito had with the sequence was supposed to be like really gut-wrenching and just, you know, an unnerving experience, um... <laughs> but obviously, but you, the way it you turned have out, to have you have to have a good actor to. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Performance and it it really it just it came off extremely laughable. So I, I give him respect to try to come up with something that was you know instead of just blood curdling screams that trail off or whatever. It, it just it failed. <laughs> yeah, it failed. <laughs> But you guys have any favorite quotes or anything that's in this that you like particularly? Uh, not really favorite quotes. It's not really nothing memorable, um, to be honest. Uh, what What's memorable is you know Ted White's performance and the um, the intensity of the gore in this one, and obviously the uh, kick up and nudity was a big, big plus for me. Uh, yeah, there was there was a so, little uptick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about it. <laughs> King, no anything? Yeah, yeah no. just the uh, the change in pace. I mean, yeah, the, from the third one to this one, I think the you know Jason is ramped up. It's more of a it's the new Jason <laughs> from yeah. here on out. I don't have any favorite quotes. That one you said is pretty funny, though. I mean, yeah. Dead fuck. <laughs> Computer, don't lie. <laughs> so I know we've already talked about King's thoughts on the finale as far as the final effect on the kill for Jason. But I, I do want to talk about everything else post-Rob announcing that he's being killed in the basement. Everything after that, I really like this finale. It's sure. It's yeah. super tense. It's ramped up. Um, again, Ted White is just, he's a menace, and he is 
I mean, by all counts, he's unstoppable. You know, yeah. I'm always I'm, I've been a fan of how they end movies back in the '80s like this with children, you know, destroying or turning into the you know supposed killers, you know, for the next setup. I wish they would have stuck with those plans, you know. Halloween, fu- Halloween, fucking four, you know, set that up, yep. and they take it away from us. Yep. Fucking this movie sets it up, take it away. The eighties were not ready to have a juvenile serial killer slasher on film. So it just... quit setting it up like that. Yeah, Again, but it wasn't that these they weren't... people making the movies did not have foresight beyond, like I said, the credits of the movie they were making. They were just trying to make money. It wasn't about making a cohesive story. Oh, it was I about putting ashes in the seats. That's it. But the no, problem I do too. lied. The problem lied in the fact that they realized when they started to do the next sequel how much how problematic it was to disassociate their main base character and and build a story for a new character in place of them but it's that's a big the main task to fulfill i mean tv shows set- do that all the time but tv shows can do that it's tough to do in on in cinema on film and for a movie you could still bring back the old killer and then you know have the kids setting up as a new killer and then you can have another battle with them later on down the road and shit you know who is the ultimate oh, killer and they all? do <laughs> and they do you know? right <laughs> well i mean i want to see that though in these fucking movies i really do it, i i hate it when they i hate it when they abandon an idea completely you know it fucking sucks but it happens so often. I know, I know, and movies, it's especially in the horror genre. It really does because and, and this is a good ending. You know, this is a really good ending. Oh, it is. It's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, this whole this whole finale is just it's great. Like I said, Jason, he's just he's so powerful and he's relentless. Um, one question I had was when uh, Trish she jumps out of the window. Was this kind of like a reverse Halloween nod? Perhaps, possibly the ending. I don't know. I kind of. I I really like that scene though. Um, if she did good. her own stunt work on that, that kudos to her. That was that was really good. Um, I, I don't like know that, that she shot. did that. I know they, you know, the actors. Some of them did their own stunts, but I don't know if she pulled that right. one off. I don't know. Another thing I noticed was whenever Jason was attacking Trish before Tommy comes downstairs, mm-hmm. was uh he was. Jason was kind of audible. Like you hear him like grunting and, and, and making a lot of sounds <laughs> a lot more than I ever recalled hearing when I was yeah. watching it this last time. And that kind of caught me off guard cause I didn't ever really pay attention to that, but it was very prominent during that sequence. Maybe it's, he's just being exerted, you know, his, you know, cause he's actually, you know, being so he's getting, Yeah, he's getting worked over. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I know King is, he's going to disagree with this, but I mean, so I'll ask you, Lord, is this the most epic Jason quote unquote death? Yes, I agree. Yes, it is. In in all the series, yes, this is it. I, I, I think I would have to agree with you on this. I mean, besides and and I know people are going to have an uproar over this Jason goes to hell I I like that ending of Jason goes to hell so it's cool but it's right it in the very cool. beginning yeah right 
Well, even at the end of Jason yeah, Goes to Hell. Both the know, beginning and the end. Badass, you know. Well, the what happens after it's all done is cool. I didn't really care for the just I don't know. Getting drugged down to hell was I don't know, whatever. I, I love I love that scene. That's that was kick ass. Okay. As um, as was the explosion <laughs> death of Jason at the beginning. <laughs> Oh no! It was absolutely it was. You know, Kirk Hammett actually owns the head that you see spinning in the air in slow motion during that explosion scene. He owns that. Really? Nice. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's a cool little oh yeah thing to have in your house. But no, no, no. This is this is definitely the top of you know this is crim the crim endings for Jason. I agree. I, I do like sixes. You know, but he's not dead. I mean, you know, he's alive. Right. He's just there, you know. Right. But no, I, I would say as far as a quote unquote death, this is the uh this is the pinnacle. And fun fact, that prop machete that they used during this scene was the same one that was used in the original Dawn of the Dead with the zombie where it goes into the zombie's head, the famous mm-hmm. shot. Yeah. It's the same one. Well Savini pulling that shit out. Hell yeah. Yep. Kane, you do not have this as a top fucking ending for Jason here? No. no. Man. Because that, of the, the because effect. Because of the, the, effect, like. the effect is very important. <laughs> and yeah, they they flubbed it. Okay. I'm trying to find Interesting. a silver lining to it all. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to. The king's just overly critical. Okay. No. <laughs> Somebody's yeah, got to be. And I like my cheese, you know, and that's... You know, yeah. That's I just don't like it on steak. I hear you. Yes, you don't. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to make... Next time I make a steak, I'm going to put a, a sliver of cheese on it and try oh, it. And what are you going to put, like, craft? Uh, yeah, well... American I cheese slices that you put on grilled cheese? <laughs> nah, on. man. You get a... You, you'll cut it. I'll cut a... I'll cut a, a sliver of a blocked Velveeta... And I'll throw right. it on there. All right. Oh my gosh. Sh- That's hilarious. I'll spare. I'll spare no expense. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I have a feeling that's a thing that's going to happen now. Actually, somehow down the road. Yeah, we'll get we'll get a screenshot sitting in our little message thread. Of a steak with Velveeta <laughs> melted cheese just globbed all over it. it. Yeah, the finale for this worked fine for me. I don't know. It just wasn't my. I don't know that that that's, that special effects really really hurts. It didn't sell it for you, huh? Half a star reduction. It's more than half star reduction. I mean, oh that could have that could have wow. put this movie in a real serious conversation for the nine to ten range. But wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Man, that's well, the wrong that's the wrong scene to fuck up. I don't know. Okay. Well, just like most horror movies through the eighties, there's plenty of uh scenes that were left on the cutting room floor and this one was no different. And uh I I didn't get everything, but here's some of the ones that I thought were the most notable uh that if you if you search them, you can find these. But uh, Nurse Morgan at the beginning, which, by the way, 
this was the chick that Axel was fooling around with. If you look on her name tag, it's it's R Morgan, which it, it's a, a nod it's to a, Robbie nod to... Morgan, who played Annie in yeah. the original. Um, thought that was pretty cool. But uh, instead of just being stabbed by Jason, she was gutted. But Ooh. obviously, the MPAA had their uh, way with that one. Axel's death was a little longer, more visceral. Uh, Samantha's death uh, actually showed the blade penetrating through her torso. Oh, man. Uh, I see that one. Uh, there was uh, Mrs. Jarvis's death, which was just implied and then confirmed. I think it was in part six, Jason Lives. Uh, there was the death reveal that was supposed to be at the end. Uh, that was after, you know, they. it's the next morning and Jason's body is gone. And she sends Tommy for help. She goes upstairs and she finds her mom in the bathtub and she's dead. And then Jason appears. Um, I've I got to tell you. I gotta tell you, the first time I watched this movie, um, I had a because they never confirmed her death. I had a sneaky suspicion that she was like a part of this, you know, like she was like some kind of fucking relative to Jason. And when she was reading the newspaper, that you know, she was like, "Oh my god, he's fucking out and shit," and I, you know, I need to do something that that way. Tommy's related to him some way, and it'll explain why he's you know. He goes the ending a little bit, you know, explains it. Well, it's also interesting that you bring that up because there's fan theory. And mm-hmm. I guess Joan, Joan Freeman, who played Mrs. Jarvis in this, she denounced this in the Camp Crystal Lake Memories documentary. But yeah. there were some fan theories that were uh, she was a possible red herring mm-hmm. because there was a scene where. Um, she kind of glares over across the way at the cabin where all the the teens are staying. And yeah. it's not really a sinister look. It's a subtle look, but it's definitely a look that she's it's, – it's of non-approval. Right. And the fan theory goes is that possibly she was going to do anything to protect her family because she's a divorcee. Right. And, you know, kind of going along the lines of the Mrs. Voorhees. Right, right approach but that's not really a thing apparently so nah. and uh this was never filmed but in the original script it had tommy splitting jason's head open with a machete at the conclusion but the paramount execs they didn't want to have a definitive death for their price <laughs> cash cow quite yet so yeah <laughs> but dave right now is just shaking his head and just fucking disgust well yeah i mean <laughs> Either either do it or don't do it. Don't pull back. You know? Well, it's the MPAA, man. They 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 did more hacking and slashing than Jason ever did, my friend. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They shouldn't have called it the final chapter then. Oh, come on. If, come if on, we man, learned this, anything. what these movies do. Yeah, man. Fucking Michael Myers should have been dead a long time ago. Fucking Jason right. should have been dead a long time ago. Yeah. Freddy should have been dead a long time ago. Remember I that mean, death, death of Superman comic book? Yeah. I bought, in, I bought into that shit. Yeah? Did you cry? <laughs> shit. No. All right. The only one who shouldn't have died in the original is, is uh, well, you know what? They shouldn't have died. It was... 
Leatherface. You know, he's fucking. He, they never really do that. You know, kill him off. So. Right. Well, that's the thing. Us horror fans, we know anything that is, you know, like Freddy's dead or the final chapter or Halloween ends. No, no, it's not. It's not. There there will always be more. It may take a while, but there will be more. You figure Blumhouse will finish this trilogy and fucking get back to it. They'll jump on the saddle again and uh, there'll be another Halloween movie. Uh, yeah, but it'll be something completely different. It wouldn't be canon to this trilogy that they are making. It'll be probably an offshoot of the four, five, six, eight, you know, uh, tangent, possibly the H2O resurrection tangent, which I fucking hope not, or, you know, just going off one and two and then going that route. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's never going to go away. I want to see the Halloween three fucking sequel. <laughs> uh, no, I I'm not opposed to that. I'm I'm all that. in on that. Yep. As long as Daniel Harris plays Tom Atkins' daughter, I guess it'll be all right. Yeah. Oh boy. Of course, I wouldn't be the mayor if I didn't. But do you guys have any other input, questions, final thoughts, anything we have here before we head into the wrap up and ratings? I beat this horse enough. Yeah. Okay. Lord, you got anything? Oh, man, we're good. Let's do this. Well, Dang. I got a couple things, like oh, I said. Okay. Yes, yeah, ahead, see, yes, you, yes. Yeah, see, you, don't, you don't listen to a damn thing. There's nuggets right here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have one question, and I have one tidbit. And the one tidbit, I think it's, I don't know, we haven't brought it up, but I feel like we would be incredibly ir- irresponsible if we didn't. But during... Crispin Glover's infamous dance scene. Do you all know what the real music being played was during that scene when they filmed it was? Back in Black. Yep, yep. And then they just, they dubbed in Lion's Love is a Lie, which is <laughs> stupidly right. has gained a uh, cult status. But You uh, know, and I, I've tried, you know, I've, I've never, like, taken back in black and put it on while he's dancing, you know, overlaid it or anything, but I still don't get his dance moves. Uh, I know, I know that was actually something he did. Like that was a thing he used. That was the kind of dancing he did back in fucking the eighties and shit. So uh, again, again, refer to the fucking Letterman interviews on YouTube. Okay. I want to check. I give you a little more insight to that. The only question I have is: is the dog Gordon, the Jarvis's dog? Did Jason throw him out the window? Did he jump out the window and just say "fuck this, I'm out"? (laughs) Like what what happened? I'm going to say he. I'm going to say he jumped out. Okay, I mean, because that's what it looked like. Yeah, a dog that gets thrown usually is like fucking like you know got a sideways fucking jerk to him where he was more fucking straight on and right he, he was composed i guess you know so i don't know i i just i didn't know what i've never really got a definitive answer on there on what has happened i think what a lot of people were saying is it, he bailed because animals are the ones they always recognize danger and you know he got the hell out of dodge which i can get on board with that but it was one of those things that always kind of confused me because 
early seeing this movie, I always figured Jason just tossed the dog out the window because watching anything Halloween, Michael Myers kills dogs. So this all checked out to me. <laughs> well, that's yeah. why Michael Myers is better, actually. So <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Man. But I love Jason. He you know just be after us. You know I don't have the massive love for Jason as I do the others, you know, so... See, this is my behind Halloween. This is my number two franchise. I know, I know. Yeah, this is my bottom of the barrel franchise. But I mean, I do enjoy this movie. I do enjoy this movie. Okay, for right. certain parts. Certain, I mean, just not not the uh, characters themselves, but it's the it's the right. Ted execution and all that. So yeah, you're you're rooting for the killer. You're yeah. you're rooting for the bad guy. Yep. All right, well, that's all I had, so, all right, who wants to take it away? I'll go ahead and start. Um, this movie is, it's your just basic run-of-the-mill fucking Friday 13th movie. There's nothing really special about it, except they're they're adding the Jarvis storyline, which, again, they it is an abandoned idea, which I fucking cannot stand, because it's a cool way to, it's a cool way to end a movie, you know, and I, I wish they would continue on with that storyline um ted white kills it as jason it i love the intense aspect of jason in this one compared to the others um the the finale is is you know it's top two fucking finales and top three you know finales in the series but everything else uh, yeah Crispin Glover's character, it's okay, you know. Teddy shit's okay, um, but not nothing really fucking stuck with me there. Um, the continuity is a little. I mean, the beginning is cool how it connects to, to three, but the, this fucking movie's a mess throughout it. So it's, it's just it's just a jumbled fucking mess, in my opinion. They don't know what they didn't know what they're doing. And it's really? not written very well. I, I, I thought so. It wasn't hmm. that fucking together, to be honest. You know, Jason's fucking everywhere in this movie. You know, he's everywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's it's, what you want out of your slasher. I get it. I get it. But. Okay. I, I want, I want, I want, I want it to progress properly. You know, he'll kill one place. You know, he's someplace completely fucking different killing. And it's, I don't know. It just doesn't flow right. It's they could have executed it a lot better, but okay. I can overlook a lot of this shit because of Ted White's execution of Jason. I really can, and the end of finale. This and number two are my favorites. It's it's really hard to pick which one's my favorite one. So much, in fact, um, that. It's it's a seven point five for me again. Uh, it, it it matches up with two. If I were to give one a smidge better, I probably would say, ah, man, I don't know. It's a toss up between any given day. I'm how I'm feeling. I guess. I it's literally it's literally a seven point five, and one's uh, seven point six. You know what I'm saying? It's that close. You know. Cool. I get you. All right, seven point hey, five from hey, the hey. Lord. No, what's a seven point six? So I'm just saying, like, because I have them both at a seven point five. 
Yeah. You know? okay. So right. I don't know which one is the absolute favorite, you know. So that's how close I've got it. You know, one's a seven point five. One's a seven point six. You know what I'm saying? So like it's that it. fucking close. And on any given day, it could be one or the yeah. other in the top spot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I get you on that. All right. So seven point five out of ten from the Lord for Friday the thirteenth, the final chapter. Yeah. King, what you got? Man, this one this one starts out really strong and it, it finishes really strong, but there's a lot of dead stuff in the middle and uh Corey Feldman doesn't tie it together well enough for me. I I wanted more of the teenager camper fodder and I mean it, we got that, but I mean it wasn't just it wasn't the focus of the story. And I felt like those characters kind of got neglected a little mm-hmm. bit and you know killed off fairly well, easily but well they had an idea to go you know as tommy as the new killer and yeah they fucking abandoned it they well they didn't i mean you know tommy becomes the heel before this uh whole thing's over right <laughs> it's an interesting character arc through the three movies yeah. for the jarvis character yes i agree but uh i don't know that again that finale could have could have raised my feelings of this substantially if they just i don't know i don't know what the, i'm not saying cgi but i mean if it just if the rubber mask looking shit didn't roll up with the machete the way it did i might have you know bought into it a little better it just it was the moment that it needed to shine and it took me out of it so i'm i'm coming in at a seven Man, I want to say a 7.5. I'm going to go ahead. I, I was going to say a 7.5, and Ketchum said 7.5, and I was like, man, I don't want to be like right on par with him, but it's a 7.5. It is. That's what it's at. I, I got I to gotta be on par with you. <laughs> All right. So another 7.5 out of 10. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, if you told me this was your favorite Friday the 13th movie of all time, I wouldn't argue with you. This entry really is one of the better examples of the slasher type in the woods, chock full of attractive young people as fodder for the slaughter. In addition to the prologue that we get, I love the continuity that we have from part three coming into this one, tracking Jason's alleged dead body from Higgins Haven to the hospital. It's tense. There's some campiness with the Nurse Morgan character and with Axel. But it's humorous, and it works well enough for me. But it's full-on brutality when Jason finally springs into action. Yeah, The acting overall is fine. It's not great by any means, but for this type of movie on the budget that they had, I'd say it's average. Uh, Crispin Glover, Corey Feldman, uh, Lawrence Monison, I, I feel like they're the standouts for me besides Ted White, of course. And like I said, I could stare at Judy Aronson all day. So yeah, <laughs> screw you, Paul. You had Sam, and you got swept away by one of the twins. You're a chump. Yeah, but he re- but he tries to redeem himself, and yeah, and he gets thing. he gets a what was it a a harpoon to the dick, yeah. rightfully yeah. so, fitting death. <laughs> you deserve it. It's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one to watch. Yeah, it is. That's a cool death, too, yeah. by the way. But, I mean, to me, Savini's 
effects, I, I think they're pretty fantastic. I mean, I think the gore, the kills, for the most part, they're on point. I do like this unmasked Jason better than the previous two, though. Old Man Ted White, I mean, he was an unconventional choice for the role because of his age. Like I said, he was 58, but he gives a great performance as yeah. Jason Voorhees, one of the best ever. Much like Part 3, this doesn't take place at the actual Camp Crystal Lake, so we don't get that summer camp feel that I'm really fond of, but at least it wasn't a barn. <laughs> this hey man, I like, a- I like Tiggins Haven, man. I like Tiggins Haven too, but I didn't like the damn barn. Well, it's We hung map. out in the barn too much. Yeah. All right, well, it's a fun map on the uh, video game. Okay. <laughs> now, this does affect my overall rating on this movie, but, I mean, since everything else is going on with this movie, it, it, it just, the downgrade is nominal. But, like I said, with this prologue, you could jump right into this entry without seeing the previous three movies, I think, if you were a first-time viewer and not be sure. completely lost. I wouldn't recommend it, but it can be done. Um. This is arguably the best Jason Voorhees Friday the 13th movie that there is. If you have not seen this, you need to rectify that PDQ and let us know what you think, Hitchhikers. Um, This one is an easy go-to for me to just pop in whenever and just let the good times roll. You know, uh, this one gets watched yearly at least once for me. (laughs) This is hilarious. First time, I'm a 7.5. No way, really? For real. Has this ever happened before? Where no, all three of this us is the, the first time page? this has ever happened. That's I mean, crazy. Wow. Yep, That's 7.5. Good. This is one of my favorite Jason movies to put in. It, it's it's just it's got everything that you want, I think, in a Friday the 13th movie with right. the, you know, the Jason Voorhees that we all know. Right, right. <clears throat> Which is much better than Pamela Voorhees. Mrs. Voorhees, you know, so... Yes, I agree. I agree, but I have an appreciation for the first, because I I love the suspense, and I love the setting, and obviously what it is, this franchise has turned into, you know, it's become a craze, you know, crazy animal of its own with uh, the Jason Voorhees character, but yeah, I like the original. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't put any other movie in the franchise ahead of that one. I can't. (laughs) Right on, man. Well, you guys and that mentality. That's where I'm different but on here's Halloween. The thing. See, I'm not with that with every single one because with Hellraiser 2, Hellbound, I like that one better than the first one. All right. It's a I mean, great there's, sequel. There's, there's a few select ones that I feel that way. But I, I don't know. I, I, I like the original Friday the 13th. Right. I hear you. All right, guys. Well, let's this is fun. Yeah, this was this was good. This was a good review. I, I I always like reviewing when we get to do a Friday movie because it's it is it's behind Halloween. This is my favorite franchise to dive into. Uh, I love the setting, the woods, the camp. You know, you got the the stalk and slash out in the woods. It's yeah. it's awesome. It's my favorite yeah. setting, but it's not my favorite <clears throat> franchise. Well, we're going to be getting into the real shit divers of the series, you know, here soon. So, yeah, I'm up, real so. curious to see how this new beginning review 
whenever we get to it, how that's going to go down and what our thoughts are <laughs> on this, because that's that's going to be interesting. Can because we skip that's about, that one? That's a, <laughs> no. Well, here's the thing. You could skip it. If you're going to watch <laughs> the entire franchise, that is the only movie yeah. that I think you could like completely skip, and you could just you could end this one yeah. and go right to six, and you're fine. You didn't miss anything. Yep, yep. absolutely. Yeah, but that's also very like anti Halloween three of you to say. So no, I'm not saying you should do it. I'm just saying you could <laughs> do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, like I'm not saying you shouldn't watch the first three before you watch this one. You could, you shouldn't, but you could. <laughs> I feel you. I I probably know the answer to this, but I'd like to ask it anyway. All right. Um, the arcs of Jamie Lloyd and Tommy Jarvis, they start out eerily similar um, and end, you know, semi-similar, I guess. Um, which one is your favorite arc? I mean, do, do you guys like the Jamie Lloyd or do you like the Tommy Jarvis arcs? I like the way the Tommy Jarvis arc ends better yes. than Jamie Lloyd Sure, sure. You're you're saying exactly what I was thinking. But yeah, I am right. team Jamie Lloyd. Yeah. Because Danielle Harris's performance in four is so strong in my opinion. Far superior to Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis. I agree. And anything I, it, I any agree any as well. of the Tommy Jarvis performances. Her performance I, I, in four alone is superior. Yeah. And that carries a lot of weight. Yeah. So yeah. I'll say Jamie Lloyd, but the way Tommy Jarvis's arc ended was way better. Yeah, yeah, By, not, okay. not even close. Right, we're we're all on the same page. Okay, that's good. All right. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Cool. No, that's a great question, man. Actually, that's a really because okay. it, it is the the these two characters in these two different franchises. They're very similar, you know, very very yes. similar. So yeah, but start out and finish with totally different strengths. <laughs> well, right. that just goes to show you how fucking shitty six is. Halloween six, you know. Yes. <laughs> oh, don't. don't. Yes. Don't. Please open that can of worms one more time. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, October's over. Hey. We're in November. Yeah, but Halloween's always fucking on. So. <laughs> hey, Halloween six ruined. Jamie Lloyd so badly. Like if if they'd have done that to Doctor Loomis, you guys would have called bullshit real quick. Oh, I absolutely. Because it's Jamie Lloyd, we're just like, oh, okay, we accept that this movie's still okay. No, it was easier to accept because it was J.C. Brandy playing Jamie Lloyd. What curse? And not Daniel Harris. Because if it would have been Daniel Harris, it would have that would have changed a lot for me. Yeah, but what a shitty way to end her fucking arc, dude. You know, just. Wow. I yeah. like the controversy here. I like it. Yeah, yeah, anyway. this, this, yeah, this is a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Halloween 6. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck the cult of thorns. Well, no, I yes. don't disagree with that, but I I do. I have an unapologetic soft spot for the curse of Michael Myers. I'm sorry. You're, I just... you're as wrong about that as I am about Halloween 5, Matt, and you know it. Yeah, uh, but well, there am you, I as you wrong? stating that is you know you're wrong, Dave. <laughs> but but am I stand I as firm. Wrong as you are. But am I as wrong as you are with strangers pray at night? Well, that's opinion. Mm, 
<laughs> I see a lot of All praise right. for Strangers Pray at Night. All right. Fair Still enough. think it's better than the first one. Mm, I can't get over that. I'd, I'd fucking hope so. That movie sucked. What? Um. Okay. All right. <laughs> Anyways, we'll we'll review right. the Strangers one day, and you'll get my honest opinion about that movie. So. <laughs> the sequ- the sequel's better. Catch him. Oh. I I the first one's so bad, Dave. I, I refuse to watch the second one. I felt the same way about oh, Pumpkinhead, oh but I watched God. the second one anyway. <laughs> well, Pumpkinhead is ten times better than fucking The Strangers. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, well, somewhere in the wheelhouse, same wheelhouse for me. Different reasons, but rating wise, I know they're close. Oh my god! All right, let's wrap uh, this shit up. Yeah, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is getting embarrassing. Oh boy, people's feelings are up. getting hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's where uh, the true fans come out, you know. <laughs> oh my god. All right, hitchhikers, you make sure you check out our friends Justin Ramsey and Aaron Scaletta over at the Raisin Horror, the Psycho Siblings podcast, where they review all things horror all the time. If you're interested in dysfunctional families, you'll have to check out their next review of Your Next that releases this coming Thursday, the 19th. Hitchhikers, you got to give them a listen. They're awesome. Um, you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and Twitter at Raised in Horror. And uh, yeah, there you go. The Psycho Siblings Raised in Horror podcast. Find them now on your favorite podcasting app, Horror Movie Fans. All right, Hitchhikers, this concludes our review of Friday the 13th, the final chapter from 1984. We all hope you enjoyed our breakdown of this iconic 80s slasher from one of the decade's most polarizing and best cinematic villains in Jason Voorhees. Be on the lookout for new announcements and updates on our Facebook page, Nostalgia Highway Podcast. And you can email the show at nostalgiahighwaypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at HighwayNHP. And you can also check out the Kings and my own letterbox profiles. The Kings is Patriarch1979 and mine is Matlog16. And once again, we also want to give recognition and thanks to Sean Jackson and Cody Jones for the theme music they've composed for the show. And on behalf of Day King of the Road and the Lord Ketchum, I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logston, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll pick you up next time, out on the highway. So, Ketchum, I gotta ask, dude, like, why are you pulling a Kaiser Soze for, like, the second half of this whole recording? Like, you're not even on screen. What are you doing over there? Are you playing, you're bopping your baloney or something? No, so I'm in a I'm in a really shitty chair tonight. Uh and my ass is hurting too. <laughs>